Welcome to the Heart of Dating Podcast. Hey, it's Kate. I'm so glad you could join us this week as we try to untangle the ever so ambiguous world of dating as a Christian. Over here on Heart of Dating, we get real as we answer some tough questions and uncover transformative ways to approach Christian dating. Oh, and you better believe we have some laughs along the way, because last time I checked, the struggle is hashtag real. You know what I'm saying? Now, let's get to the heart of the matter. Hey, hey, y'all, we are still in the middle of our compatibility series, and today I'm really excited to talk to an expert on another compatibility topic, specifically the topic of chronic illness in dating. Now, as a woman who struggles personally with chronic illness and has for years, this topic is really near and dear to my heart because it's impacted me personally as well as impacted my dating life and so many of my friendships even. And trust me, I know that I don't even have it the worst as so many other people do, but even still it's impacted me. And so I have such a heart of empathy for people that are going through this. You guys, chronic illness is actually something that impacts one in three people. And a lot of times those one in three people have more than one chronic illness. Last week, we talked about weight in dating. And I really wanted to follow up that conversation with a discussion on how chronic illness also comes up and affects dating. Because this also ties hand in hand with the conversation on weight. There are actually so many people that are unaware of what a chronic illness is and how it can affect our weight, as well as a slew of other factors. It's far more nuanced than saying things like, well, just work out more and eat healthy if you want to be skinnier. You guys, in fact, this is actually sometimes bad information and bad advice for somebody dealing with a chronic illness because saying working out more may actually not be possible for some people with chronic illness or if people with chronic illness worked out, it actually could make it worse for them in some cases. So the reality is it is way more nuanced than just assuming that that person has a little bit extra weight on them and therefore they are unhealthy or they need to lose weight. You guys, there are one in three people that are actually dealing with a chronic illness that does impact weight as well as a slew of other factors. So today I decided to bring on an expert and my friend Emily Morrow to talk about chronic illness in dating. Emily Morrow is a functional nutritional therapy and integrative health practitioner who works with women across the country in her consulting practice and group program. Root Cause Formula is a group program to help women identify and overcome a variety of root causes such as mold, bacteria, parasites, heavy metals, viruses, toxins, chemicals, Lyme, and the signs and symptoms associated with each one of them i.e. hormone imbalances and weight loss resistance, acne, and fatigue. Emily's hope is that each individual she gets to work with experiences a renewed balance, hope, and joy that allows them to approach life with the energy and zest to achieve all that the Lord has for them. Fun fact, y'all, I'm actually in Emily's Root Cause Formula program. That's how we first got connected, and I love Emily. We've now formed a friendship through this, but this program has been so eye-opening and so helpful for me as a person that's gone through so many different chronic health issues over the last several years and really hasn't gotten that many answers. So finally, for the first time, I actually feel like I'm actually getting answers to some of my health issues. 
I want to remind you that one in three adults suffer from not only one, but multiple chronic conditions. And so today, I really hope that whatever end of the spectrum you're on, whether you are a person dealing with chronic illness and you want to feel seen, you want to feel encouraged, you want some more tools, you want to know how to show up better in your dating life, I hope this encourages you. I hope this helps you. And then for the person listening who maybe has judged people with a chronic illness or doesn't really understand what chronic illness is, or you just started entering into a dating relationship with someone with chronic illness, I really hope this opens your eyes to maybe the behind the scenes of what somebody is struggling with when they have chronic illness and how it affects how they show up in their dating lives and in their individual lives. So I really hope this conversation is filled with compassion, empathy. I hope it makes you feel seen. And I hope it just opens up a conversation to another thing that is so prevalent in our current society that is also something that I do not believe should necessarily be a deal breaker when it comes to relationships. Now, every person's story is individual and you need to let the Holy Spirit guide you in that. But I think the reality is here that I just really want you guys to open your mind and perspective to chronic illness and how it affects dating, but how it should not necessarily be a deal breaker. All right, let's get into this combo with Emily. Oh my goodness, we have Emily Morrow on the Heart of Dating today. Girl, hey, what's up? Hi. I'm just like so excited. I can't wait. I love having you on. I love people that I've become friends with and then I get to have like a conversation because I love doing all sorts of interviews, but when it feels like, man, we've already had conversations, we've already been connecting, there's been so many ways we've already been working together and then we get to record it, you know? Mm-hmm. Like yes, it's just fun. Yes. I'm excited. I, I can't wait. I was like I, you're one of those people where I feel like we had one conversation and it seems like we picked up from a conversation years ago. <laughs> I love it. Like that's what drew me to you when I first discovered you. It was earlier this year, early in 2021. Someone recommended your profile. And then I started binge watching like all your stuff on Instagram, which you're (laughs) going to tell everybody what you do in a second. But it was just something about your presence and the way you spoke where I was like, oh, if we end up connecting I think we will really hit it off. Like, you know, like you just see some of those people online or in, you know, wherever you are and you're like, oh, we we were on the same wavelength or we would hit it off. I love it. Yes. So that's what happened. I'm so excited. It was able to happen. So, and I would love it for it to happen with other people listening. I want them to find out about who you are and the amazing work that you're doing. So with that said, would you just share with the people a little bit about who you are and what you get to do? For sure. Thank you. So I serve as a the titles of nutritional therapy practitioner and integrative health practitioner. And under that umbrella and scope, I work with women, predominantly women aged anywhere from 18 to 45-ish, dealing with chronic illness, wide variety of chronic illnesses. And in that, it's either one-on-one sessions, a group program called Root Cause Formula. And then I've also created a few courses that are educating other practitioners on how to do the same thing. Which is also so needed and incredible. So I signed up to do your root cause formula in June of 2021. And girl, it's been amazing. I mean, we're still in it. I'm still in it. Let's be honest. But it's amazing. So I love the program. Would you just like, because I'm such a fan and I'm doing it and in it and really believe in it, would you share with people a little bit about it in case they're interested? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We wanted it to be a 
community feel because it can be very isolating to go through your chronic illness journey alone. And it's also so much information. So we made it a 14-week-ish course, plus or minus a week or two. We brought in anywhere from 20 to 30 women, and we have modules that educate about foundations of nutrition. What is chronic illness? How do you navigate the healing journey? What does your blood work mean? With weekly calls in order to be with everyone on a weekly basis, because accountability is also such an important piece to this, and give people the space to talk about what they're dealing with and be around other women that are going through the same exact thing. And then in that, each woman given a very bio-individual specific protocol, because if every single person did the same thing, it wouldn't work. We're all our individual human beings. So what things are needed to restore balance for that individual? Yeah, it's so good. I love that it's individualized because I can't tell you how many times I, and probably so many people listening have gone to the doctor and they're like, oh, well you have these symptoms, but you know, you're exercising decently well and you're eating a decent diet. You're fine. You know, like it's all good. And I'm like, what? (laughs) But like, why do I feel all these other things? And that's just the tip of the iceberg, you know? And so the reality is what I've experienced is I get, you know, it's just like a copy and paste formula of like, here, do this. This is the right way to do it. And it's not necessarily for that person, you know? And so it's been so frustrating for me. And of course, we will dive into the discussion. I know so many people listening have been on even more difficult journeys with their, with their health and chronic illness. And it is, it can feel so isolating, jarring. When I first started struggling with this, with all of this, it was about six years ago, um, seven years ago in New York city, when I was just at an all-time high in my career, but I didn't know what stress was, Emily. Like, truly, I didn't. I thought that was like a fake thing seven years ago, which is really yeah. weird. I was like, stress? I don't know. I just do a lot and I manage it, but I didn't know that what stress was or the effects it had on your body. And I would sleep six hours a night. I was like, I can do that. I would wake up at 5 a.m., go to the gym, work my crazy, like, demanding job in fashion, come home, throw events, group community things, started a blog on the side, would fly to Europe 12 times a year. And all of that combined being in New York City with never anything stopping, I just totally crashed. You know, my whole body crashed out on me and it was a really hard season of thinking, well, I'm doing all the things right, quote unquote, why is this happening? And so I won't get into every single detail there because I have so many things to ask you, but I could just want to say like, it is, it can feel so hard and so jarring and you don't even sometimes know where to go or where to turn to if this is your first step, you know, in the process of figuring out that something's wrong with you. And so I I wanted to bring up and start this conversation with you with chronic illness, because obviously this is your specialty. You talk about it all the time. And how it came up for me with Heart of Dating was we're doing a series right now on compatibility. And specifically, chronic illness came up in a big way when we were talking about weight. I didn't even plan to talk about weight, but weight came up because we were talking about height. And so then we entered into the weight discussion. And then within the weight discussion, I started getting lots and lots of messages from people with chronic illness. And there are a lot of people out there that don't really know about chronic illness and don't understand what that might be like and don't understand if somebody tells them I have a chronic illness, they don't know what to do. And so I did a poll because I was like, okay, let's see how many people in my audience have chronic illness. And it turns out that for me and my audience, about 34% of the people that pulled in said that they struggle with chronic illness. But also if I had to guess, I'd also guess that maybe 
even more of like the 66% that said that they didn't, they probably are suffering with something that might be undiagnosed as well. So that's why we're here and having this conversation because it affects us obviously in everyday life. It affects us more than I think we realize. And a lot of people are struggling with it. More people are struggling with it than we realize. And then it also affects dating. So let's start the conversation by kind of talking through like what is chronic illness and then how common is it? (laughs) So your poll is actually so fascinating because you in the poll, 34% said they struggle with chronic illness and that's the global percentage. Almost exactly. Oh my gosh. No way. Wow. (laughs) So it's obviously approximate. You're never going to have a 100% because of what you said. So many people may not know that they're dealing with a chronic illness and so much of it does go undiagnosed, but approximately one in three of all adults up suffer from not only one, but multiple chronic illness conditions. And then just this concept of chronic illness, because it can be very intriguing to kind of think of this big umbrella of chronic illness. And it ultimately is an illness that has manifested in the body or a period or season of sickness affecting the body or the mind for longer than three months. And when people hear that time frame, they're usually really taken back by it because when you think of chronic illness, it's not just the very well-known heart disease, strokes, cancer. It can be as simple as hypothyroidism. Yeah. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And health, for example, we also hear the word health thrown around a lot. And the definition of that is the state of being free from illness or injury. But Mm. you almost have to take it further because what if someone is free from a diagnosed illness or injury, but they don't have complete physical, mental, and social well-being and health? Ultimately, health can look different for every single person. Yeah. That's it. We, were, we started talking about that last week on the episode because I realized that we all have such interesting and different definitions of health that then we're putting on ourselves, but then also putting on other people, you know, to immediately judge them without knowing anything about them, knowing about their story. And ultimately, we, what that came down to for me in that realization is that op, we're often looking at somebody and judging them from how they look to say if they're healthy or not. Like that's what we're doing on dating apps and dating. And when we meet people, we're like, oh, because you have, you're like this, that, and the other, and therefore you're not healthy in my mind. And we wouldn't say it to the person, but we think it like in these little moments, you know? And on top of that, what's really fascinating is if we're thinking about the United States as a whole, there's less than 3% of Americans who actually meet the measurable characteristics that reduce their risk for heart disease. That's research done by the Mayo Clinic. That's less than 3%. So if you're going off of like a checklist of like, I'm looking for someone who's healthy, that's a very, 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 very small percentage. Is health to you in the gym so many days a week? Is it not eating fast food? Is it only eating organic? Is it lifting weights? Is it doing cardio? Is it getting enough sleep? Is it exercising your mind? Is it being in scripture? Is it going for walks? Is it in sunshine? There's so many competing Mm -hmm. factors to it that just the term of health again, can look so, so different for every single person. Yeah. And that's what I found. The poll I did, which we kind of talked about on the podcast last week, was I asked people, hey, would you date somebody who was not your quote unquote weight preference, but was healthy? And Or or I said, would you date someone that was not your quote unquote weight preference? And they would say, yes, as long as they're healthy. And that was like, okay, 
well, then what does that mean to you? (laughs) Like, because if you said yes, but as long as they're healthy, what does that mean? What does that look like? You know? And so, and we often use healthy in my mind, what I've realized, at least from the things that have been coming up in our community is that we define it as like your size and shape really. And that, that is so tough. So when it comes to chronic illness, this is what was coming up and through some of the messages I was reading, which were just so hard and heartbreaking, they were sharing about how, you know, this is really, really difficult for me and it does affect my weight and um, it's really, really difficult for me to show up and be considered by somebody if they're just looking at that. Actually, I'm going to take a moment right now because I wrote down a few testimonials or just stories that um, I'm going to read anonymously just to set the conversation. So this woman says, I suffer from Hashimoto's, which essentially makes it very difficult to lose weight and really easy to gain weight. Even with a strict diet and workout regimen, I may not look overweight at first glance, but I'm technically thought of as obese by some standards because of my height and my weight. It's hard not to let it affect how you're perceived when dating, especially when your body doesn't respond the same way as other people's when you're going through certain motions of life, living a quote unquote healthy lifestyle as others. But no one would really know that unless they ask, which half of the time is what happens. Nobody asks. People shut down before I even get the chance to explain. And so that's just one of a few testimonials I had coming in, which brings up the question that a lot of chronic illness does affect your weight. Can you, can you talk to us about how it does? Yeah, absolutely. It's so common. In fact, it's way more common than it isn't common and it can go both directions. I think a lot of people, when they think of weight, they think of it going up on the scale, but further along in some people's chronic illness journey, they start getting down to skin and bones and their only hope is to be able to gain weight. So I always want to honor both sides of it because it can be debilitating from both directions. But when we think of chronic illness and the things that can take place in the body, She mentioned Hashimoto's, which is a disease of the thyroid. And your thyroid is responsible for activating these little powerhouse cells called your mitochondria and every other organ in the body. And when that happens, it it impacts your digestion. It impacts your brain function. It impacts your metabolism. And all of these things matter. And that's why partially if you're eating well and you're exercising, it might not budge. If your metabolic rate is too low, it doesn't necessarily matter. And also on the contrary to that, it can also be saving your life. And that is really hard for people to understand at first. But if you're dealing with Lyme disease or heavy metals or mold, those are stored within fat cells. So the more of that you have within the body, those fat cells are going to grow. When fat cells grow, weight goes up and it's a protective mechanism. If they were just free floating in the body, it could lead to brain damage. It could kill somebody. And so solution to pollution is dilution. What that essentially means is if the body is polluted with toxicity, it will dilute, it will swell, it will retain water, it will retain extra fat to be able to save them. And water is often needed to flush out toxicity. So a lot of times it's just a response where there's more water retention and weight can go up by 10, 15, 20 pounds I've even seen just due to the nature of that. And it's so debilitating and frustrating for people that are maybe dealing with chronic illness. And that does happen. That was part of my story. And you start feeding yourself all these lies from the enemy and putting yourself in a situation where you feel like you won't be desired or loved or pursued in a dating relationship for that reason. 
Yeah. And that's the hardest part because in parts of my journey and before I discovered you and before I really had that much insight to like what was going on in my body, this was especially years ago, going back to my New York days, I felt so much shame and I had a slew of lies come in and I already at the time also was struggling with body image, you know, and what I thought of myself. So this just was so, I mean, no matter what, I I didn't change anything in my diet or my workout regime or anything really. And I ate very well, quote unquote, because, you know, whatever, whatever, we could go into that. But I was eating well from lots of people's standards, right? I'm putting air quotes around that. And yet I was gaining weight like there was no tomorrow. And I was constantly inflamed and I felt so foggy and out of body. And I was getting sick every two weeks. Like I had to take a day off of work. I felt like I had the flu all the time. It was awful. Like it just felt so horrible. And I felt so much personal shame. And then it wasn't easy because there were certain people in my life, I won't name them, but that would actually call it out like, hey, you've gained, you look like you've gained weight. And I'm like, oh, I have, but like, yeah. you know, and then you're like even more worse. Like what is going on? Like they're like, well, and a lot of people's responses will just work out more or just eat better and that will eliminate it. <laughs> And I, tr- you know, and that's, then I upped the gym more and then it got even worse, girl. You know? I know. And these poor women that are, you know, paying for someone to help guide them and they're told to work out five or six days a week and do fasted cardio and intermittent fast if their body isn't ready, but do it anyways and eat these 1200 to 1300 calorie diets and their scale is still going up. Mm-hmm. Or it might go down for a second and it will go back. Like that's what I also right. see. Like right, you know? a rebound effect. Right. Yes, yep. exactly. And so it's and so that's something I want to just quickly say for the person listening who's like I've never who doesn't have a chronic illness or has never really come in contact with that. A lot of people are deeply struggling and on the journey to figuring out what's wrong with them, and it is way more than just saying go to the gym more and eat better. <laughs> And and so that brings into the fact when we eliminate somebody off the bat physically because we either they're too skinny or they look bigger than what we would ideally want. I'm putting air quotes there again. We're not understanding the full breadth of the story because what we're doing is we're assuming they're just so unhealthy and they have a terrible lifestyle. And it could be so much more than that when it comes to somebody who's struggling with chronic illness and you will never know unless you get to know that person. And so for the person listening, listening who is struggling with a chronic illness, one thing that kept coming up over and over in the messages was in dating, they really worry about being a burden and they really worry about how this is going to affect another person and if anyone would even consider them. And so you're so encouraging, Emily, and I know you help so many women. So for that, for that woman listening or that guy listening, you know, cause we have guys on here too, what would you say to that person? Just feeling like I'm going to be such a burden. I don't even know how I could date. Nobody's ever going to consider me or want to be with me with this in my life. The story that comes to my mind first is one from my life coach who first off is one of the most amazing humans ever. But part of her story was in her season of singleness. She was at the height of dealing with Lyme disease and her friends wanted to set her up and she would just lay it on the table before any guy at the very beginning. Hey, I just want you to know I have Lyme disease. I'm sick. Either you're in this with me or I'm moving forward. And when she came across her husband, he was like, I'm in. I'm in and they're both believers. And it was such a beautiful thing to not only see, but the transformation that's taken place and him walking through that with her. Because when you make vows with someone, 
one day. It's in sickness and in health, right? Like it's Mm -hmm. both parts of that. And so if someone isn't willing to do that while you're dating, why would they be willing to do it while you're actually married? Like it's honestly such a beautiful test to, Hey, you know, this could be the best thing ever. Cause you could find someone who's going to help you through this journey and it not be a burden for them. You know, they want to be there for you in that way. And even on the side of marriage, I have some of the most incredible clients where this has strengthened their relationship with their husband or wife, because it's allowed them to have open conversations of, Hey, this is what I'm dealing with. And here's how you can support me right now as I walk through this journey. Wow. Oh my gosh. I love that. And I love that she said in the beginning, that was actually a question we got a lot. Like, when do you say it? When do you bring it up? And like, I think that's so good. I, that would be my recommendation. Like bring it up early, you know, don't hide it. Don't worry so much. Like the wrong person will be, you know, turned off by it and they're the wrong person. Like, okay, goodbye. Exactly. Exactly. You know, but somebody who is curious about life, whose heart is ignited to find out more about you, they're going to be like, wow, that must be really hard. I'd love to know more. And I'd love to see if it would be possible to partner with you in that, you know, cause you, maybe they don't know on day one, like, yes, a hundred percent sign me up, but the right person's going to respond like, wow, that must be super hard. I'd love to find out more. I'd love to know how I can support you, you know? Exactly. exactly. And some people might not like date one. Like I'm just imagining like top golf. They're like, Hey, by the way, yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> exactly. I yes. am dealing yeah. with really bad depression, you know, maybe see, like feel it out. See if there's someone. Exactly. Exactly. See if this yeah. is someone you would want to go and, you know, continue dating on other dates with. But at some point in that early journey, I do think it's a really important conversation to be had because for females specifically, so often what I see is they want to hide the fact that they're on anti-anxiety or antidepressive medications, or they have PCOS and they worry that, you know, that's going to contribute to the relationship and risks for infertility. Or, I mean, it is mind boggling when you actually look at stats for even obesity one in two adults will be obese projected by 2030. One in two. Oh and my gosh. yeah, yeah. And you know, you think about that for a second. It's like, why is this happening? And it's not just food and exercise, right? Like there's so many factors. I think stress is a big factor. I think anxiety and depression is a big factor. There's so many competing things that can impact the function of the pancreas for blood sugar and the liver for digestion and blood sugar. And stress alone can increase glucose. And I only say that because it's you know, when (laughs) I think of my grandparents and they're like fat and happy. (laughs) And I mean, I mean, they're, you know, as healthy as they can be, but like when you're bringing weight into the equation and you think about the people you love in your life the most, does their weight even matter? You know? So, and I'm not saying that don't pursue health because we're all destined to be obese. It's, you know, (laughs) take care of yourself, nourish your body, mind, and soul, but like your weight's going to change. Like if you're not dealing with chronic illness now, what if 10 years into your marriage you do and your weight starts to go up and you married someone who married you for your looks and your weight? Exactly. That's going to be a big issue. So fun fact, I'm a total clean freak, you guys. That's right, 100%, I really am. Which also means I go through cleaning products like a champ. And I have to be honest, though I do care about the earth, I never really wanted to spend more money on eco-friendly or clean products because I just thought they were super expensive. But then I discovered an eco-friendly, all-natural brand that is affordable and good for the planet. 
It's called Blue Land. Blue Land was founded on the belief that a cleaner planet starts at home. It's a simple idea. Buy their bottles once and refill them forever. No more plastic waste. You just have to fill Blue Land's beautiful bottles with warm water, pop in one of the hand soap or spray cleaner tablets, and within minutes, you have powerful and effective cleaning products in the most incredible sense. Blue Land's stunning high-quality bottles start at just $10 when you buy a kit, and they're meant to be reused over and over and over with money-saving refill tablets that start at only $2. That's right! So you just have to buy the bottles at $10 when you buy a kit, and then you can keep refilling them, you guys, for only $2. So in essence, you get to cut the plastic waste without sacrificing the clean, and you get to spend less. Isn't that awesome? Get Blue Land, you'll love it, and the planet will thank you. Right now, you can get 15% off your first order when you go to blueland.com slash heart. That's 15% off your first order of any Blue Land products at blueland.com slash heart. That's blueland.com slash heart. You know, what's so good about this too is it helps us come into what I love talking about is like, we have often conditional love for ourselves. Like the days where we feel skinny, we're like, I love myself. I feel good. I'll date today. But the days we feel inflamed or not good, we don't feel good about ourselves. And that's been a huge struggle in my life. And so it, it's to recognize like, Hey, what does it look like to love my body and love myself through all the seasons? And because what I often find happening is, and what has been a huge part of my journey is when I over hyper focus on my body changing or something is wrong and I'm upset about it and I'm stressed about it and I get anxiety about it and I feel shame about it, it never ends up changing. <laughs> actually. So like, I'll like be hyper-focused and I'm like, I want this so badly to change. I'm going to do X, Y, Z things. But like my internal system is like all tense, you know? And so I feel like, and there's probably way more sciencey things that's going on in my body. But for me, what I've noticed is when I am so hyper fixate on it, when I'm shaming myself, when I am have overwhelming anxiety about it. And when I'm overthinking about what everyone else is thinking, it actually won't change it for me. I won't make much progress at all. And sometimes I actually like go backwards in my progress when those moments happen. And so like coming back to how do we find non-conditional love for ourselves, but you know, unconditional love for ourselves and, and how do we find somebody who's going to be willing to do that for us as well, you know, and not just love us when our, when we look skinny, because oh my gosh, (laughs) everything's going to change. Like. Or what about that time of the month for every female? Exactly. Years. Yes. And one of the questions I get so often is, oh, my weight goes up on my cycle and I'm a little bit bloated. And I'm like, pause for a second. We realize that you're shedding your uterine lining. Like, are we processing that for a second? And I'm like, shoot, I, on those days I'm in sweatpants, I am relaxing in my bed. Like, it's okay. Like, we are human. Your body's literally like shedding a lining. And thank God for it. It's what allows us to get pregnant, right? Like, if yeah. the menstrual cycle is such an important part of just the female body. And your weight can fluctuate anywhere from like eight to 10 pounds in a certain season it's of your nuts. period. Yep. Mm-hmm. And so, when you look at your entire cycle for females specifically here, and you are judging your self worth based upon a few days of the month where it can fluctuate and you're valuing your worth in that, it's 
it's not going to be good for your mindset. And the stress alone of that is probably, as you said, going to set you further back in that journey. Yeah, man. Okay. So I love this, Emily. So for when it comes to the dating conversation, compatibility, a lot of people want to know like, all right, I'm, let's say I'm the person that doesn't have chronic illness and I'm just learning about it through this conversation or through other things and conversations I'm hearing, or I just started dating someone who has chronic illness. Um, and they shared that with me. What should they expect? If there is anything to expect, you know, is there any hesitations they should have? Like, how can we also have a realistic discussion about what they might be getting into? You know, could you help like open that up a little bit? Absolutely. Signs and symptoms can look different from everyone. So for some people that can be nonstop headaches and migraines, which are so debilitating other people. And I'm just thinking alongside some of the clients I'm currently working with, it was as bad where they would try to walk to the bathroom and their legs would collapse or go into a grocery store and have episodes of feeling like they're going to faint. Granted, they're past that now, praise Jesus. But when you think of social anxiety, for example, which can heighten or anger, which can heighten in certain series of Lyme disease, for example, and you are dating, it might be the conversation of having to be vulnerable enough to say Sunday church, for example, I don't feel confident enough yet to walk into the actual auditorium. Could we possibly watch this at home for a few weeks until I feel more comfortable? That's been a conversation for some of my clients in their marriage where they literally feel like they are going to collapse upon walking into a public place. Other people, it's been where they're so fatigued that they might not be able to go out with a big group of friends that night with the person they're dating. That's too much for their system. And instead, hey, is it okay if we have a stay-at-home dinner and movie night and not go out three nights a week so that I can let my body rest? But it always starts with opening the conversation and being honest and vulnerable because the other person can't read your mind. They can't feel your signs and symptoms, and they might not know what's going on. Yeah. I found with, cause I have struggled with this personally in relationships, but similarly, even when I'm letting somebody into like my trauma or the past or what's coming up for me, what always helps is like really helping them to understand what's going on for you, you know, and really giving them an, a taste of like what you're experiencing versus just being like, Hey, I can't go to that. That's too much for me. You know, over time they're going to understand you potentially and know like why it's too much for you. But for me, I've had to be very clear of like, Hey, I, I can only do a handful amount of social things during the week. Let me explain to you what happens to me when I go to more than just a handful of social things during the week. <laughs> Here are some examples, <laughs> you know, yep. and, and I really want to remain present in my life to show up well for myself, for my work, for you. And I'm not going to do that. Even if I go to a fourth social outing, I just know it will be too much for me. So, um, you feel free to do your thing, but for me, I just, I can't, and I want to invite you into that. And I want to feel like you understand that as, as much as you can. Um, but for me, it's like, give them some, you know, give them some, uh, texture behind what happens for you, you know, and let them in on the journey with you, which is so hard. Cause it's vulnerable. I know, I know times I know. that I felt so embarrassed by it, you know, know, in the past, but it just, it just edifies how great someone can be when they navigate it with you. And an example I'm thinking of is I casually dated, um, when I was living in Knoxville, one of the sweetest, 
sweetest guys. And I was very open and honest with him because it was probably the only person I dated when I was going through my own chronic illness journey. And part of that was so many food sensitivities. And I know we've talked about this before, but yeah, but to think about going on a dinner date and him not knowing at the time, wow, I can't have gluten. I can't have dairy. I can't have processed foods. I can't have oil. I can't have butter. I can't have soy. And sitting at a dinner where they don't know that and being overwhelmed, looking at this menu, being like, oh my gosh, there's nothing I can eat. What am I going to do? And so from the get-go, I was like, hey, I'd love to go to dinner. These are some things I'm dealing with right now. I can't eat these foods. And he was so sweet. He researched and called all these different restaurants in the Knoxville area and made sure that they had a menu that was accommodating of all of those things. And we went and the person that welcomed us already knew and brought out like literally dishes and made sure to say out loud, like, Hey, this is free of everything. And it was all because he made the conscious effort and attention to make me feel comfortable. And it was one of like hands down, one of the best dates on I've ever been on in my entire life, simply because of the care out of his heart to do that. It took away all the stress. I love that. I love that. And that I'm so glad we're bringing up the first date thing. Cause this can feel weird because I I've dealt with that as well. I can't eat a lot of things and specifically I for sure cannot eat gluten and corn, which is in everything. Um, especially corn, like corn additives. And, and it's mm-hmm. really, really difficult for me in certain restaurants and there's certain kinds of foods that people love to eat, such as Mexican, where it's really hard for me at a Mexican restaurant and I can find like maybe something, but it's so hard. And so I've had had to be honest with guys off the in the get-go like hey I I I'm so excited to spend time with you just like kind of what you said but like I really want to be honest that I have a really big sensitivity and allergy to these things so if we could find somewhere that doesn't have those things that would be great and if you need my help I'm happy to do so you know because I understand not everyone's like understands a corn allergy they're like what <laughs> I don't yeah. even know what it, corn is in, you know, other than corn on the cob or popcorn or something. And it's in so much more than that. So I think being honest with somebody, I think that comes back to, and you know, we've talked about this before, but just knowing what your limits are, what your boundaries are and feeling good about them, like owning them to the point of like, yeah, I'm not going to go to a restaurant where I can't eat anything. And I'm not going to pretend that I could eat something in front of me when I can't, or I know I'll feel awful the next day and it will cause X, Y, Z things in my body to happen, you know, and just being proud of like your boundaries. And because you are doing that for the best of your health and your life, and you don't have to make anyone feel comfortable because you can't eat certain things, you know, it it was a long road for me. It's so common, especially if people go on work trips or girls trips and there's a lot of even alcohol involved and they personally are not in a place where their health is, you know, in a good enough spot where they can handle alcohol and they feel like a burden or they feel like they're going to be judged if they're like, I'm not going to drink. And I think that there's this idea that when you say that you're putting down the people who are and you're not, it's just the current state of what you're dealing with or going through. And that's a conversation I have with a lot of my clients where they're worried. There's actual worry of, Hey, I have this work trip and you know, there's going to be lots of alcohol or I'm going on a vacation. Like, what do I do? Like, how can I handle this? What can I take? And I'm like, have you just flat out, you know, been honest with the people you're going with of, Hey, I, for my health right now, I'm avoiding alcohol. I'll be having mocktails. I hope y'all still enjoy anything that you want to enjoy. And just own it. 
Because it can feel so, like, what are they going to think? We also create a lot of stories in our mind that aren't true, I find, like where we are fearing so much that we're going to be the burden. For me, what I've learned to do, and I'm sure, Emily, you've done some of this too, but I've just learned, like, if I know I'm going somewhere, especially if I'm, like, going home to Texas to the very small town where my mom lives, where literally when we go out to eat, there's nothing, like, literally nothing hardly in this town that I can eat. And so I just, before I get into town, I have my brother go to Whole Foods with me, and I pick up my own stuff. I bring yep. it to home yep. and I've I just done that so prepare. many times, so many times. <laughs> yes. My parents know now they're so great. It took them a while, but I think they watched me walk through some of like the hardest valleys I've ever been through and then kind of come out stronger on the other side and what was needed to be able to do that. And so my family, I love them to death. They are not the healthy heroes of the world, yeah. <laughs> um, but from externally, they look that way, you know, and when we go to family dinner, often it's babes fried chicken. I kid yeah. you not. Babe's there fried chicken. Yeah. Yep. And they will all devour it, every single one of them. But my mom will say, hey, you know, hours before, maybe a day before, we're going to Babe's Chicken tomorrow if you want to bring your own food. Like they know. And so I'll either eat prior or I'll bring food with me and I still go and be present with my family because I one of the most important things in the world to me is family. And I want to be there. And there's a lot of people and my old self that would be like, hey, you know, I'm I I kid you not, I'm tired. I don't think I'm going to be able to make it because of fear of going and being that burden of, I can't eat anything on this menu. Right. Yeah. One of the, one of the, the biggest holiday that gives me anxiety is Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh, it gives so many people anxiety, like months leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah. Not funny. I said, it's funny. Not funny. I see a chiropractor and he does adjustments and obviously your adjustments also indicate levels of stress and emotions. And there's so many things that go into it. And he said he couldn't figure out when he was running x-rays, why every year around the holidays, everyone's x-rays went bad until he realized the stress of the eating situation and being around family that they maybe don't feel comfortable around. And then come like March, April, May, all the x-rays would go back to normal. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's so real. And so, and even when it comes into dating, this is where I just have also, what you really want to look for as well, you guys, and that what I'm so thankful and some of the guys I've dated, I've experienced this where the guy really, they have no idea what it's like to, you know, have all these allergies or these issues with their body. They're just like, I don't understand, but they're willing to listen to me and they care enough about me to like protect those things for me. And so what's so important as well as you're willing to, uh, is having a man who is willing to stand up for those things for uh, on behalf of you as well, a partner with you in that, in their fi- family dynamic. Because for me, it's been really, it's been somewhat difficult in the past because I've been like, I feel really weird, like meeting your family and yet being like, I'm sorry, you just made that cake for me. And I literally can't eat it because right. it's, you made a right. gluten-free cake, but it has corn in it. And nobody knows that. And I'm allergic to that, you know? And so having to be like, say, first of all, owning it and being really thankful anyway, if in those situations, but also having them like be protective over it, because I've been in scenarios where the family's like, why can't you just eat it? It's just one little bite or just this. And I'm like, nope, (laughs) I can't do it. And so, but having the guy step in and just being on your team is the point I'm trying to make. It's just really being on your team, whether or not they understand because they, they, maybe they don't deal with it, but they want to be on your team and they, and that is so important. 
And you'll be able to see maybe not right away, like on a first date, but through time, you get to see somebody who is curious, who desires to love you, who desires to protect the boundaries that you have and protect the health that you're seeking to go after and support you in that. And it is so important and possible. Oh my gosh. So I just want to encourage people on that too, because I have dated guys that bless them, have no idea what I'm talking about, but are so sweet and try their very hardest and never make me feel like it's a burden, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So to wrap up this conversation, girl, I love it. Um, let's, I just want to know from your perspective, you do all of this work and you love the Lord. Where does God come into the mix of all this, especially when it comes to chronic illness, relationships, and you've obviously helped so many women from single into marriage. And so where does the Holy Spirit, where does God come into the mix of like healing here or the dynamic and what's the separation between leaning on somebody, but also, you know, dealing with it with yourself and with God? Yeah. People always ask me how I put God into the mix of things, but he's always been in it already. I kind of based my practice around what I felt like he wanted me to do. And early on for me, I'd say five or six years ago, when I kind of felt the calling to come into this space, I really felt like the whole purpose of it was to get people to a place where they can fulfill all that the Lord has for them. And so when we start talking about like a standard of health, for me, it's when you're being inhibited from fully pursuing God's will for your life. And if that's being inhibited, then of course God is going to want you to get healthy. But you can also go down rabbit holes of people seeking and desiring this quote unquote perfect health externally and internally. And that simply won't exist in an imperfect world. Like on the side of heaven, you're never going to reach that standard. So when I'm working with people, I always make it clear like, hey, perfect health is not our goal here. I want to make sure that we get you to a place where you're able to fulfill every plan that God has for your life. And unfortunately, when you're laying in bed exhausted with chronic fatigue syndrome, that's going to keep you from being in a church community and going out and being a disciple for him and going out and experiencing his fullness and his gifts. So when I work in consultations, part of that is and we did it before this interview, prayer before consults. I do it outside of the consult because I always want to respect people's different backgrounds, but I want God's hand to be in it and on it. I pray that his thoughts are my thoughts, his words are my words, that every plan is perfectly designed to get them to that place. And it's really, really cool and amazing how six, seven, eight sessions in, I will have never had an identical conversation about like no conversation between clients is the same, but when I'm talking with them and they flat out say, I've been saved and they thank me. And I'm like, why are you thanking me? Like that's all the Holy spirit. But I think that health is such a delicate thing that when people start to get it back, it's like their gratitude goes to something so much greater than them. And I think that's so cool because you see people shift before your eyes and prayer and journaling is such an important part of my encouragement and people I work with. And so to see God's hand on their life and watch them transform in front of my eyes and their spiritual lot grow, it is such a beautiful thing. It is such a beautiful thing. And I think it's cool too, because it basically just punches the enemy in the face because he loves when people are just, you know, laying in their bed, chronically ill. And so when they come out of that and they are speaking to the fact that their faith has strengthened, it is the coolest thing. 
Mm, I love that. Have you also seen too the dynamic of a couple who loves the Lord, who the woman or the guy, it could be a guy. I mean, we're talking about a lot of ladies today, but guys deal with this as well. And the woman is on this journey. But then where's the line between for, for how supportive and how much she turns to the husband versus she's turning to God? You know what I mean? Like, where's the line within that? And I, cause I think that for all the, what we talked about today, there's also a balance, you know, because I think I love the idea of coming and finding someone who's going to be a partner and want to support you. But I also want to call out the fine balance of they're not going to be the one that saves you in this process. Right. You know, right. they're not going to be the person that is like, you You could just fall on for everything and they're just going to take, take it all, right? Like uh, relationships are always mutual. And so no matter what, it has to be like a mutually serving relationship. And also like we have our own relationships with God that also have to be protected and prioritized on our own, regardless of the other person yeah. in the mix. I feel like the other person plays a very small role. And I only say that because they can have a really, really, really solid relationship and they have dealt with chronic illness for such a long time. And the other person has supported them the entire time, but they're still dealing with chronic illness. So it often takes some level of support, but I've also had people where they're completely unsupported in their marriage from their husband, but through this process and them changing, the husband or the wife starts to support them in a way they haven't before, which is really profound and awesome in the sense of the husband starts to eat healthier or they see, I've seen this so many times where the wife or someone that's dating somebody seriously, their health st starts to totally transform and it sparks interest. Mm. in that counterpart or that husband. And they then too want to feel the same way because I think you get to a place where you're like, wow, I have energy. I don't have headaches. I'm sleeping. I'm sleeping better. I'm not dealing with consistent anxiety or depression. I'm recovering better in my workouts. And it has happened so many times where the opposite person, whoever they're dating or living with starts to make changes too. Mm, I love that. Wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like it's kind of like the leading by example and that's how we like, you know, how Jesus did everything. It's like, well, lead by example, you know, yep. and yep. you can't force anybody to change in any capacity, you know, and that's something we, we always try to do, but we can't. Um, but leading by example is, is and, and works here as well. Emily, this is amazing. Um, I'm going to ask you our final question that everyone gets asked, which is just, what is your final nugget of dating advice for the Heart of Dating listeners today? Yes. You said it earlier, and I think we've talked about this before, but it's this concept of willingness. And that person may not have the same lifestyle as you. They may not fully ever understand what you're going through, but they're willing to listen. They're willing to compromise. They're willing to sacrifice. They're willing to give someone a chance. Even if they say, Hey, I'm dealing with chronic illness. They're willing to not make premature assumptions or interpretations, willing to go into dating with an open heart, willing to let their walls or guard down. Right? So I just think that there's so many people out there that actually are willing to take that road with you. And I think of just a real life example, 
when it comes to having different lifestyles, but supporting one another, my mom and my stepdad, <laughs> my stepdad does not like to work out. He'll maybe walk. He loves to sit and hunt and that's his thing. And he's got a little bit of a beer gut and my mom <laughs> and him are so in love. And then you've got my mom who is a fitness fanatic who works out every day and that's super important to her and they support each other's lifestyle. They're not forcing one another to do something that they don't want to do. Right. Yeah, and I think that yeah. that is such a big part of the willingness is willingness to support the other person in a way that they feel loved. Yes. That's so good. I talked about that last week on the episode, like lifestyle preferences. And like so many people in my DMs were like, well, for me with healthy, like I want somebody who can run a marathon with me and we could do all the CrossFit together and this and the other. And I'm like, okay, where is God in that equation? Like, does God say the best partner for you is somebody who does exactly the same things in their life that you do? You know, like it makes me laugh because it makes me think like on a different playing field, like, well, then I have to have a man who's as obsessed with Disney as I am, or else I just won't even consider him. And I'm like, most of the guys that love Disney to that level aren't even straight. Okay. (laughs) So that would be horrible for me to have that idea. I'm laughing. Okay. Because there's totally a lot of straight guys too that love Disney as well. But, um, you know, it's just like, where is God in that? Like, wow, if he does end up loving Disney, that's so fun. That's so cool. But you know, more important to me is that he is willing to respect that I love Disney and I'm a little bit of a Disney fanatic. You know? yep. <laughs> yep. And if he doesn't always want to go, that's okay. I'm going to go a lot and I'm going to go with friends. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I know. So in all of that, like looking past the external side of things for people and even like the health quote unquote check marks. And I think it all comes back down to like giving people a shot and like, let your examination be of their heart, their intention, what they're pursuing in their life, what they're what their life outside of life looks like, you know, their quiet time. And that's just, I think, in dating in general, a piece that gets missed so often. I know I've been guilty of that way too many times where I go for the person that has my same lifestyle, dynamics, passions, and it turned out absolutely awful. So yeah, um, yeah, willingness to just respect each other's lifestyle without having to do all the same things as you. Yes. That's so good. Emily, if people want to connect with you or work with you and all of that, I would love for them to be able to find out where you are and all the things you're doing. How do they do that? Typically only on Instagram. And my account is just my name at Emily Morrow. And then our group program, where we have some information as well as at Root Cause Formula. So those two places, people can find me. I have the Root Cause one linked in my main bio as well. So good. Girl, thank you so much for everything you shared today. And thank you for all the work you're doing for me and for so many other people. You're you're just such a gift. Like the Holy Spirit really has gifted you with healing and it's incredible. And you also have so much compassion and empathy for people while also being able to speak with such sharp truthness too. So it's like awesome. I love the combination of who you are and how God is uniquely using you. So thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me on here. I love what you're doing. I know I've told you that a million times and I'll continue to tell you that I think that's why we cross paths, you know, bringing you healing so you can go and impact the whole world. (laughs) Thanks girl. I love you, girl. Love you, girl. 
Okay, guys, that's it for this episode today. We are going back next week to our mini series on compatibility with more episodes from yours truly. This has been such a fun series that's really expanding and becoming more than I ever thought it would be, which is really exciting. And from today's episode, I really want to encourage you to check out Emily on Instagram and check out her program, Root Cause Formula, which I'm actually a part of and highly, highly recommend. It is, you know, a really good investment for your health. It will help you get a lot of answers and get community if you are someone struggling with chronic illness. All right, y'all, that's it for today. See you next week. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. 